Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy Kevin Loco. And Kevin, game one of the American Association Miles Wolf Cup finals tonight. And uh, holy cow, we got a lot of baseball. Yeah, I'd say it's um, welcome to late night in the American Association because, boy, this one tonight, um, if I recall, I think Wichita and Winnipeg won 15 in, Win- in Winnipeg in the famous Bach game. Yes, I, I thought it was even 17. But uh, Okay, so maybe they didn't get the record then. You know, Sam Brief was talking about the dogs record, but, you know, I'm sitting there my, myself thinking, okay, what's the league record? So, and, of course, being too lazy to go on the website and look it up, I just kind of blew it off. <laughs> I'm going to look that up as you and I are talking here tonight because, I mean, if we wanted to go through every inning, we'd have plenty of time to go search stuff. I don't think that'll happen, but uh, but, but uh, let's just say game for the ages here um, is that this was a very exciting contest, very interesting. Uh, Kansas City went with Zach Matson tonight to start tonight's game. Also, uh, uh, Joe Whelan went for – Chicago and both were on kind of a little short hook there tonight, Kevin. But I was a little surprised by the start of Matson, especially if he was going to go with four starters. I thought Joe would go with uh, Brandon Finnegan, but that did not wind up being the case here for tonight. Well, Finnegan's been thrown out of the bullpen, so I'm guessing that was the logic there is that he we're going to see Finnegan out of the pen for the rest of the series, some playoff role in which he excelled with uh, Kansas City Royals because. Finnegan's one of the nine ex-major leaguers on the Monarchs roster. So pretty exciting. And let's see, this contest, so just quickly, it looks like this contest was 17 innings. Yes, it was, 17 innings of the Wichita-Winnipeg-Gold-Eyes uh, game. So just falling just short of that mark. See, we, we do do some research here at times. Uh, so. On the fly, boys. Uh, on the fly. Yes, absolutely. See, I'd have been better prepared. I should have been better prepared, but I wasn't. So, uh, third inning, Jacob Robson winds up hitting a solo homer. Kansas City jumping out on top there. Robson did not have a very good season. Kevin, a guy who we've seen spectacular years from in the previous two seasons, did not have a great season this year, but came up with a big homer early in this contest. Yeah, that was uh, that was a big blow by the former major leaguer with the Detroit Tigers too. Get Kansas City off to the one nothing lead, and sometimes in these tight games, that could be all it takes. It stayed that way until the bottom of the fourth when Ryan Lidge and Josh Altman led off at back-to-back singles after a walk to Luke Mangieri, loaded the bases. Dylan Rosa struck out, but Matt Bocher delivers and hits into a fielder's choice to drive home a run and tie the contest. Uh, Big inning for Chicago. I'm sure the dogs were looking to get more out of that inning. But, you know, any time that you wind up giving up a run early, you want to ensure that you respond pretty quickly. And it was good to see Chicago was able to do that. You know, yeah, you're conveying my thoughts on that. I thought when they had bases loaded with nobody out, I thought they needed to come out of that with more than one run. But you take the run, you go with it. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking that that could have been a much bigger inning than what it turned into. In the fifth, our buddy Peyton Neals, who's been off to a hot start, singles, moves to second on a stolen base, then winds up scoring later on a sacrifice fly by Nick Heath. Um, oh, no, excuse me. Nick, 
Nick Heath sacrificed, I'm sorry, to bring him over to third. And our buddy Johnny Turbo then came to the plate, winds up hitting a sacrifice, fly to score Eels. And all of a sudden, Chicago had the lead there. And, and by the way that they were getting that early pitching, it, it almost looked insurmountable at that point, Kevin. It did. I, you know, Kansas City's um, offense could be hot and cold. And frankly, even in their series punching win the other night, it was two cities walks that got the job done for Kansas City. It wasn't the Monarchs' bats. And then if you look back, yeah, they put up, uh, what, five on, on the board on, in game two and then only one in game one in the Sioux City Series. So, frankly, Kansas City hasn't been really hitting all that well ever since the uh, Sioux Falls Series. The game stayed a 2-1 to one Chicago lead until the ninth when Brian Schlitter came on. And, and Kevin, you know, I've, I've been talking about this since the Milwaukee Series. I, I haven't been very impressed with the way that he's been pitching. And the second pitch he threw to Chris Herman wound up being drilled down the right field line. It looked like it it hooked around the left field, and quite a hook, by the way, around the foul pole. Uh, Butch Hobson came out to argue to say that it had it had actually gone foul before, uh, and it shouldn't have been a home run, but umpires wound up gathering, clearly ruling that it was a home run. By the shots they showed on the camera, it was. Um, you expect that out of your MVP, Kevin, for Chris Herman to come up with a big hit, and boy, he delivered for the Monarchs. Do you want to tell the folks what my text said, or should I? You tell me. You tell them. As soon as Schlitter came in the game, I did send a text to Rob. I just had a bad feeling about it. I said, this game just went into the Schlitter. <laughs> you know, and I always minute, love Kevin the Kevin And one minute later... Former major leaguer with the Twins and Diamondbacks, Chris Herman gets the tying home run. And you know, for people that have been to Chicago, have not been to Chicago, it's a very awkward dimension in right field. The right field foul pole is only what is it like two ninety four? It's some symbolic yeah. distance from home plate. And there's always a chance that somebody could curl a ball around that foul pole and really get a cheap home run. So I got to imagine with the foul pole being that close that and just in the shape that's in, it, it could be very hard to judge a home run. And I think we saw it happen there. Well, Kevin, that then began the marathon. Uh, a, a lot of innings went by in this contest. Each team had some chances in there. And for fans out there, just that so you're aware that that international rule of starting at second base does not apply during the playoffs. So it was uh, straight up starting from the top of the, you know, whoever was for the next guy with nobody on. Um, Chicago had a couple of golden opportunities, got two on with two outs in the 12th, thanks to an error. But that uh, they, Kansas City wound up getting out of that inning. Um, the Monarchs had a couple of guys on in the top half of the 13th on a, a one-out walk and a two-out walk. Came away with nothing out of that. So each of the teams had an opportunity. Then in the bottom of the 16th, 16th, I can't believe that, with two down, once again, the, the Chicago Dog two-out rally. Dylan Rosa singled, moved to second on a Matt Bocher single, and scored when Cody Bohannik went up the middle with a pitch, giving the Chicago Dogs the game one victory. Their first finals game, Kevin, their first finals victory. 
you know, when Bobby Rossman came in, you know, just as Sam was opining during the show, that during the broadcast, it seemed like he had really good stuff, but I just think he, as the inning went on and he was relying more and more on the fastball, the, the Chicago Bats just got him timed up, and we saw the results with uh, three straight singles, and the dogs finally walked it off. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Kevin, because I, I think what we saw from Chicago there is they got to understand Rossman's timing with each batter that came up there. So he got the first couple of guys out, and then all of a sudden they were like, okay, well, here's how we need to pitch him. And by the way, uh, a six, seven-pitch at bat for Josh Altman to start that inning, then a six-pitch at bat for Luke Mangieri. So they were, you know, they, they were working the count against Bubby Rossman. And then they wound up getting the hits, but it looked like just what you're saying is they were able to figure out how his pitches were going. And I'm sure that's something that pitching staff there or pitching coaches for uh, Kansas City are going to need to do something with um, for tomorrow night's game, Kevin, because uh, clearly Chicago had figured something out about him as the inning went along. Well, very possibly. And, yeah, it could have been, um, like you're kind of hinting at here, maybe Rossman just wore down as the pitch count in the inning got ramped up too. So that's why, you know, sometimes in baseball, you might make it out, but, boy, if you get that pitcher to throw seven, eight, maybe even nine pitches, you don't see the results right away with the batter that just got out, but maybe a few batter, batters later, they benefit from that as a pitcher especially a guy that's used to going just one inning, tends to wear down a little bit, and maybe that's what we saw tonight. Well, I believe, Kevin, that we should be seeing uh, Ashton Godot going for Kansas City, which is a good thing because he went eight innings against Sioux City, and I'm sure that Kansas City, after 16 innings, would like to see a guy go eight innings. The interesting thing was is that Sam Brees had talked to me in the pregame, uh, pre a season, the series preview, if I can get my words out at 11 o'clock at night, um, about Brian Warzek was going to start tomorrow, and he figured it was going to be kind of a bullpen day. you got to figure that that philosophy may not be going tomorrow after 16 innings of baseball for this club. Well, that's the thing I think you see is a definite advantage for Kansas City going into tomorrow. you got a, a, a former major leaguer, one of nine on the roster, going tomorrow night afternoon, keep in mind, yeah, it's afternoon. It's There's no yep. 6, 7 o'clock start. You know, these guys are going to have to be up and at it and going midway through the afternoon once again. Well, boy, definite advantage having a big league vet going versus it sounds like, you know, from what Sam was saying in the broadcast, we might see Austin Faith throwing. Or it could be Jake Newberry going uh, two innings and then you uh, Hope that some of the guys can bounce back from last night, but we will see what happens here because if it isn't going the way of Chicago tomorrow, and let's say Kansas City finds the bats and gets off to a huge lead, you might even see, dare I say, some position players just getting out at the end of the game just so that bullpen can be rested up enough to have Sunday and then Monday off and then go at it at, in game three. So I'd say um, 
I know Kansas City isn't feeling very good right now, but I think they got to like their chances tomorrow afternoon. Just the way the bullpen situations for both clubs are, just pitching situations are with both teams right now. Yeah, I agree with you, Kevin. And I, and I think another thought looking at this matchup tomorrow is that you got to believe these hitters got to be a little tired after a, you know being out there for over five hours tonight. And Godot is, is just prime for that. Here's your here's your ace, you know, who's already been rocking in the playoffs on a nice sunny day going out there uh, facing a tired Chicago dog team. Yeah, Kansas City's going to be tired too, but they're not facing the ace of the dog staff. So I, I think the hitters have a slight edge on the Kansas City side. And, you know, in a playoff game like this, you're just looking for slight edges. So, so Kevin, give us who do you think comes away with the victory tomorrow? You know, in using that logic, I also think maybe that's why Butch Hobson did empty the bullpen tank out tomorrow, thinking that tomorrow's a bullpen day, you're going up against their ace. So, you know, you got to have faith in your team, but I mean, the reality is that the odds are in Kansas City's favor. So you want to do everything you could to win that game tonight, and... If you can get that win tomorrow, then great. But I just know Hobson did not want to go down 0-2 and then have to try to sweep in Kansas City because it's just not going to happen. I think tomorrow you, right. you will see Kansas City bounce back. It's going to be like, I don't know, it's going to be pretty, I don't want to say a 6-1, 7-1 game. Oh, Kevin's seen the blowout for tomorrow. Uh, I think you're going to see a little bit of tired bats, but I'll go Kansas City coming away with a 3-0 victory, I think, comes away from tomorrow's game. Well, Kevin, if you didn't get enough excitement tonight, the Frontier League had a big 3-2 victory for Evansville, who was forced a game five tomorrow at 5 o'clock for the Frontier League championship. And I know you've been kind of hyped on this series, though. So does Quebec, uh, after dropping two at home, or two on the road, did they, are they able to win one in Evansville tomorrow night? I don't think so. I think the Otters, boy, if you uh, keep up on Facebook or Twitter about this series, over 4,200 people in the ballpark on Friday night. And from looking at the highlight of the what was the game-winning runs tonight, which happened through an errant um, throw to third base on a runner that was picked off. It looked like there was a lot of people in the crowd tonight, too. So I just have a feeling that Evansville is just going to ride that momentum of home field, home fans, and find a way to get it done in game five. Kevin, before we wrap up here, give me your thoughts on, man, 4,000 people in Evansville Last night, there was probably a sizable crowd there here today as well. I mean, I don't know what the crowd was in Chicago tonight, but it didn't look like 4,000, 4,200 people there. So, um, and man, they got to like what's going on in the Frontier League. I know they offered $2 general admission tickets, but I was told that the rest of the seats were full price and they filled the entire ballpark up. So... Like I had put on the, our um, this week in the association Facebook page, find out what Quebec and Evansville are doing and do everything you can to replicate it because boy, that is such a great atmosphere in those games and 
For anyone that's got Flow Sports, um, Evansville and Quebec start up at 5 o'clock tomorrow. So after watching Game 2 of the Wolf Cup, you can flip over to that and catch a finish of what I think is going to be a very exciting Game 5 there. I'm liking that. Tanner Hill's not with us here tonight, but we'll be back with Kevin and I after Game 2 tomorrow evening. Let's hope it is in the evening and not late into the evening tomorrow. So for Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Panier. We'll see you tomorrow night on This Week in the Association.